There's that old saying is, if you don't lie, you don't have to remember your story. I mean, if you don't lie, you don't have to remember it. And, and uh, I have to tell you, I'll tell on myself, I was in the third grade, and the teacher, uh, she said, go read some of these books back there, and I picked out a book, but I didn't really look at it, and I, I thought it was the Silver War, and it was the Civil War, but I thought it was the Civil War. So she said to me, what book did you pick out? I said, the Silver War, and she said, no, you didn't. You need to go look at it again. I said, okay. And I, of course, I didn't. And I went back and I said, Silver War. And she said, I'm going to give you one more time to go back and look and see the name of the book. And I came back without looking and said, Silver War. And she said, no, it's the Civil War. And she gave me a spanking. That was in the third grade. And I lied because I told her I looked at it and I didn't. And uh, I don't think I've ever lied since that. Never mind. Anyway, I just lied. Did I not? So I just lied again. So anyway, the streak, the streak has snapped from third grade to now. I just lied. So anyway, that was it. So, you know, when we lie, we hurt others and ourselves. And what we're going to see this morning is Gehazi. Gehazi's going to lie. He's going to lie to Elisha. Do you think you can lie to the prophet of God and get away with it? I mean, does the prophet of God know everything? I mean, that's the problem is God gives them information uh, that the regular people don't have. And so here's what we're going to see. Uh, The second Kings chapter 5, we're going to see, uh, I don't know why we have 1 through 7. It should be 27. That's the whole passage. Naaman uh, seeks Elisha. Naaman comes. Uh, Naaman is healed. Naaman brings gifts. And then we see, and this is the part that's going to really get us, is Gehazi's lying and greed. And so let's... Let's see what happens. Remember, Naaman was from the, the from Aram. He was the commander of the army. The only problem was he had leprosy. And we don't know, what, in the Bible, a leprosy is a skin disease. And it could be the leprosy that we see where people, you know, their, their you know, hands and arms and things, just they lose the feeling and it just skin falls off and everything. Or whether it's just some kind of skin disease. We don't really know. But he had something. One of the little Jewish girls who had been captured in a raid, she was, you know, maybe she's 10, 12, 15 years, who knows how old she was. But she said to her master, to her mistress, she said, who was the wife of Naaman, she said, boy, I just wish he could get to the prophet of Israel because he could heal him. And so she went and said, hey, this little girl says there's a prophet in Israel that could heal you. He goes to the king and says, there's a prophet in Israel that can heal me. Why don't you talk to the king of Israel for me? And so he sent the letter to the king of Israel and the king of Israel got upset at first because he thought he was asking him to heal Naaman. And then Elisha said, no, wait a minute. No, no, no. He's talking about me. You send the guy to me and I will heal him. And so that's what we, we've been seeing. And so Naaman comes to to uh, Elisha, and what does he expect? He's the commander of the army. What he expects is Elisha to come out and meet him and heal him. That's what he's expecting. In fact, he said this. He said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the place, and cure the leprosy. He said, that's what I thought was happening. I was going to go out. He'd come out. He'd say, oh, God of Israel. He'd wave his hands, and then I'd be healed. But that's not what he did. What did he tell him to do? He's expecting something big. And what did, what did Elisha tell him to do? He said, just go jump, in, you know, go wash in the Jordan River seven times. He said, just, and he didn't even come out. He didn't even come out and meet him. He, he sent Gehazi and said, go tell the guy just to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. So he, he's furious. 
He tells him, just go, and Naaman is going to get healed, but he gets furious about the thing because Elisha didn't come out, and he asked him to do, in a sense, some little thing. In fact, Naaman said, well, we got better rivers than this. I mean, if you go up where we are in Syria and that part, our rivers are a lot better than the Jordan River. He's asking me to dip in the Jordan River, and, and he said, he didn't even come out. I thought he'd come out and wave his hand and do big stuff. And he says, he just tells me to do that. And if you remember that we saw this, that what his, his servant said, well, master, if he told you to do a big thing, would you do a big thing? And he said, yes. He says, well, if he tells you to do a little thing, won't you do a little thing? And he probably thought, well, yeah, I guess so. And he's going to go dip. But here's one of the things we talked about last time is that the, the idea of doing something big or something little, when we start talking about salvation, do we do something big to be saved? And see, in our culture, in our world, there are people so confused on the salvation message. They're telling people, well, you got to do this. You got to offer your life. You got to get baptized. You got to repent of your sins. You got to walk down an aisle. You got to make a public profession. You got to be willing to do this. You got to serve him. You got to serve him to the end. You got to, and they want you to do things all the time. And people think that salvation is something big and something hard. And the truth is, salvation is little. It's in the sense it's believe in Jesus Christ and you'll have eternal life. God so loved the world, he gave his son that whoever believes in him will never Never perish, but have everlasting life. It's not what we do. It's not what we keep doing. It's not how we live. Our living and lifestyle and service and works have nothing to do with eternal life salvation. It comes simply by faith, faith alone in Christ alone, and that's it. And it's, it's little. There are people, we talked last week, there are people who call what we believe, they call us easy believers. They say, oh, y'all make it too easy for people to save. You just tell people all they have to do is believe in Jesus and they're saved forever. That's, that's exactly right. Believe in him that he will give you his promise. His promise is he gives you eternal life. You believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life and you're saved and saved forever. They say it's too easy. They say there's other things you need to do. You have to do this and do this and do this and do this. And we say, no, no, it's not. And so in one sense, they're saying it should be something big to do to get salvation. And we say, no, it's not big. God, does, God is the Savior, not you. That's the key. And so we, we tied that in last week. So here we are. Gehazi uh, came out and said, uh, he says, go, go dip seven times. Thanks for coming. You know, they almost see that. And, and so he's really mad, but then he does that. And the servant, verse 13 uh, of, ta- of chapter 5, the servant came near and said, my father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, you would not have done it? Sure you would. How much more than he says to do something like go wash and be cleansed? And so if, you know, so what happened? Verse 14, so he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Naaman dipped seven times in the Jordan and he was healed. And, and let's just face it, he said, just do that. And he went and did it. And, and there was faith involved, right? He had to believe that whatever uh, the Elisha told him to do, it would work and it did. Now, let me ask you this question. Why? Why didn't Elisha come out? Why didn't Elisha come out and say, oh, okay, I know who you are. Here's what I want you to do. Go dip seven times. He didn't. Why, why did he stay inside and send Naaman out? Well, I, I think it's because it's a private ministry, remember? He doesn't do spectacular things. He, well, whatever he does, I mean, he raised somebody from the dead. That's pretty spectacular. But it's not where he wants everybody to know it. Now, he did say, I want them to know that there's a prophet in Israel. So it means whatever I say is right. And, and it is because he represents God. But it's kind of a unique thing. And you know, in the body of Christ, there are people who have out front gifts. There are people who have behind the scenes gifts. I happen to have an out front gift. 
I get to stand up on Sunday morning and teach where everybody gets to see it. That's just my gift. But so many of you, they have the same kind of gifts, but there may be behind the scenes. You may be doing something else. You may be running something, or you may be helping something. You're setting up something, or you're doing something else. And, and those gifts are the same importance. In fact, when we stand before God, it's not who had upfront gifts and who didn't. It's who was what? Faithful. That's the key. It doesn't matter what your gifts are. It doesn't matter what your talents are. It doesn't matter what your abilities are. It doesn't matter how long you live. It doesn't matter what opportunities God gave you. What matters is, whatever it is, you are found faithful. That's all that matters. And, and so in a, in a ministry, you could say, man, Elijah, he's famous. And he called down fire and outran the chariot and did all this. And we said, yeah, Elisha was just as faithful. But uh, some of the things he did, nobody even talks about so we're going to see. He said, go dip in the river and you'll be fine. And he was. And he was. Now, watch what happens. The last part, let me look at the time, because there are two things that happen in the rest of this passage that I think are amazing. Okay, watch what happens. Look at verse 15. When he returned to the man of God, this, this is uh, Naaman. Naaman is now, Naaman came out of the Jordan and went, oh my gracious, I'm healed. I'm going back to that guy. I'm going to go back to that guy, and I'm going to give him a whole bunch of presents, and I'm going to tell him, thank you, thank you, thank you. Watch. So he returned to the man of God with his company, and he came and stood before him and said, Behold now, I know that there is no, look at this, there is no God in all the earth but Israel. You know what he just said? I'm now a believer in the God of Israel. That's huge. That's huge. They had a, a, a God called Rimen. And that's who they worshipped in Aram. He says, I don't believe in women anymore. I believe in the God of Israel. I now know that there's no God in all the world, in all the earth, but in Israel. So please take a present from your servant. And he says, because you've not only healed me, but now I understand that there is a true God in the world. And that's the God of Israel. So I'd like to bring you some presents. I have some men here with the presents. That's what he's, that means what he's saying. I brought some people with me, and here are the presents. And so just think about it. I know there is no God in all the earth but Israel. That is a huge statement, huge statement. Now watch. Watch what Elisha does. But he said, this is Elisha, as, as the Lord lives, behold, I must stand. I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. He said, no, 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 I don't need any presents because I'm just serving God. And he said, no, 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 well, you, you got to take, look, I bought, I bought clothes. I brought clothes. I brought some silver. Would you take it? He went, no, no. And he, and he said, one more, no, no, I don't, I don't take things. I don't take money for serving God. That's what he's saying. And, and so Naaman brings the gifts, and he says, I want to give a present to Elisha. But Elisha, what did it say? Elisha will not take money for God's miracles. He basically said, look, I don't need it. And, and I'm just doing this for God. I'm not doing it to make money. And let me say something. We serve God, not for what? Not for money. Now, I get paid, right? I mean, I, I get paid to be good. You're good for nothing. But anyway, the, the, <laughs> the truth is this, right? You pay me, but I don't do this because you pay me. I do it because I get to serve the living God. But I need the money, right? I mean, you know. <laughs> The truth is, sometimes God allows people to make their living from ministry. But most people, he doesn't. And when we serve God, we serve God not because we get money, 
but because we get to serve him and bring honor and glory to God. And so what is Elisha saying? He's saying, I I don't take money. I'm fine. I will take nothing. Wow. He didn't take money for God's miracles. Now watch this next part. If you've not read this, it's going to surprise you. Watch what he says. Naaman, verse 17, Naaman said, If not, okay, if you won't take the gift, please let your servant at least be given two mules loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings, nor will he offer sacrifices to other gods, but to the Lord. Now, let me tell you what he's asking for. He said, I want, for I'm in Israel, and this is the God of Israel. I would like two loads of dirt. I'm going to take it back with me. I'm going to put it down, and whenever I have to bow down before the God of Aram, I'm really going to be on the dirt of Israel, and I'm really going to be worshiping the God of Israel and not the God of Aram. Watch what the next verse says. He says, if it please, this is verse 17 again, if it please, let your servant at least be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to other gods, but to the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the house of Remen to worship there, and he leans on my hands and bows myself in the house of Remen, and I bow myself to the house of Remen, the Lord pardon your servant. You know what he's saying? Pardon me, because I'm not really worshiping Remen. It may look like it. I've got the dirt of Israel, and I'm worshiping the true God of Israel. He said, I want God God to pardon me when all that happens. Give me two loads of dirt, dirt from Israel. When I get on my hands and knees pretending to worship Remen, I'm really going to be worshiping the God of Israel. He says, may God pardon me. Maybe overlook because I'm pretending to worship another God, but I'm really worshiping the true God. Now, some people could say, well, he's like a secret disciple. I know a lot of secret disciples, don't you? I remember one in the life of Christ. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. I remember another one. His name was Nicodemus. They were secret disciples. It could be worse. You could be an unbeliever. I'd rather have a believer who's a secret disciple than an unbeliever, wouldn't you? And this guy is saying, I got to go back. I got to bow down with my master, who's the king. I've got to do all the stuff. But I got my own dirt, and this dirt is from Israel, and I'm asking the God of Israel to pardon me for doing this because I'm really worshiping the true God. He said, I'll never offer another sacrifice to any other God. Wow, that is really powerful. Wow. So then what happens? He leaves. Look what he says. He said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him some distance. So Elisha said, well, go ahead. Go ahead and go. Get your dirt and head out. So he heads out, he got his dirt, and he's gone. But, now, you're Gehazi, and you've, you've watched this whole thing. And we've told you over and over that we've watched Gehazi along the way, and remember that time that woman fell down, he tried to push her away, and there were other things that Gehazi did that we go, ah, it's not exactly right. But Gehazi's a servant of Elisha. But Gehazi goes, you know, that guy got away with having to pay for anything. I mean, that guy's rich, and he offered all the gifts, and Elisha wouldn't take it. And maybe there was some good gifts there. So what happens? Verse 20, But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, thought, Hmm, behold, my master spared Naaman the Aramean, and by not receiving from his hands what he brought. He says, he, he spared him, given him the presents. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. Now, let me tell you, should he do this? What do you think? 
I mean, if Elisha won't take anything, do you think Elisha's servant should take something? The answer is no. He says, I'm going to run after him, catch him, and see if I can get some presents. Well, how in the world are you going to convince Naaman to give you the presents? What are you going to have to do? You're going to have to lie. That's what you're going to have to do. Remember we said, you know, it's not the Civil War. It's the Civil War, right? He's going to say, he's going to say, my master has asked for some presents. That's a lie. That's a lie. And sometimes our greed gets in the way, and sometimes what we want gets in the way, and what we want is different than what God wants. And sometimes that gets in the way. And so look what happened. He says, at the end of verse 20, as I live, I will run after him and ask him and take something from him. Well, he's going to go get it. And he says, I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to run after him and I'm going to get something from him. Well, look what happens. I'm going to show you the respect that Naaman has for Elisha. Watch what happens. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw one running after him, he came down from the chariot to meet him and said, is all well? Listen, Naaman normally wouldn't stop for anybody. Naaman is the, he's the army leader of Aram, and he sees this guy running, but he knows this guy's connected with Elisha. He actually stops and gets off and says, is everything okay? I mean, that shows his respect for the God of Israel and his respect for Elisha. And here comes the lion. He said, all is well, verse 22, my master has sent me. Did he? Did did uh, no. Now be real careful when you say, well, God told me to do this. Really? He told you that? Because I have people come up and say, God told me this. I remember, this is years ago. I got, this, I got time. This is years ago. I was in a church, and there was a guy in that church, and he went to a girl in the church who he liked, and he said, God told me that we're supposed to be married, and so we need to start dating. And she said, well, if God told you, I... I warned her. I said, I wouldn't listen to that. But anyway, she did. And so they started dating. And then guess what? About three months later, God told him again not to date her and not to marry her. Be careful when you say God told me something. Because what, 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 what uh, Gehazi's doing is actually saying God said something. Because Elisha represents God as a prophet of God. And he says, my master... My master sent me saying, Behold, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Boy, he gets really detailed, doesn't he? Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. I love it. We need some silver and a, and a couple of sets of clothes. And I mean, he made this thing up. Two prophets, sons, uh, two men, sons of the prophets. He even told where they came from and exactly what they need. And, and so he says, uh, that, that these two men came, and, and they're the sons of the prophets, and they need silver and gold. Now, the sons of the prophets, you remember, Elisha was overseeing them, just like Elijah used to oversee them. He oversees them. He trains them. He's helping them. We're going to see more as we go through his life. We're going to see more of these guys. And so he's lying, and he says, uh, these two guys showed up, and they need, they need some money, and they need some clothes. So what do you think, what do you think Naaman's going to do? Naaman is, he's on fire. What happened to Naaman? He just believed in the true God. He just says, I'm going to worship only the God of Israel from this point on, and whatever the God of Israel says, I'm going to do, and I love the Lord, 
And so this guy comes and says, we need some silver and two changes of clothes. And Naaman says, no, 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 no. Be pleased to take two talents of silver. And he bound two talents of silver with two bags. And he gave them a bunch of clothes. Two changes of clothes each. Two bags with two changes of clothes. And he said, here's my servants. My servants will take this back for you. He said, I'm giving you a lot. He said, no, no, no. Let me, Naaman gave him money and clothes. And Naaman's going, well, I guess Elisha changed his mind because some guys showed up and they needed it, so I'll be glad to give it to them. And you can see Gehazi, and he's looking at there, and he's got all the silver, and he's got now probably four, four things of clothes. And he goes, this isn't that bad. And so they're going to take it back with him. So look, look again. Naaman said, be pleased to take two talents. And he urged him, and he bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothes, gave them two, to two of his servants, and they carried it. Now, where is this supposed to go? It's supposed to go back to Elisha and giving it to who? These two guys that just showed up. But we know that's not true because he made up a lie. So look at verse 24. When he came to the hill, he took from their hand and deposited them in the house, in his house, and the men went away and departed. He put it in his own house. Where did Gehazi put it? He put it in his house. He came back with the guys. He said, oh, look, I'll take it from here. You can go on back. I'll take it from here. I'll make sure they get to the right place. The right place for him is where? His house. That's what he's doing. So he says, I, I put them in my house. Now, I love this next part. But he went in and stood before his master. You know what I'd have done? I would have stayed as far away from Elisha as I could have. What about you? You know, I would have said, I'm not going to be around Elisha because, you know, I've just lied. I've just taken stuff that I wasn't supposed to take. And so I, I wouldn't go. But it says, he went and stood before his master. And Elisha said to him, where have you been? Now, first of all, how did Elisha know that he went someplace? And look at his answer. And he said, your servant went nowhere. <laughs> he said, where have you been today? And he said, uh, where have you been? And by the way, what is, what is Elisha trying to do? Huh? He's warning, uh, he's warning uh, Gehazi to go, I blew it. I blew it. I let it take me. I, there's stuff in my eye. I, I, I lied. I did everything wrong. I'm so sorry. But what did he say? I've gone nowhere. What God wants us to do when we sin is what? Confess it. He wants us to confess when we sin. Anytime we sin, it doesn't matter when, where, what. You need to confess it. That's what he wants us to do, and, and that's what Elisha's given him the chance to do. It's the same in the garden. When Adam and Eve, you know, at that point she's just called woman, they're, they're hidden because they have eat, eaten from the fruit, and now they're ashamed, and they're separation, and they're hiding, and God comes in and goes, where are you? He knows exactly where they are. And then he says, have you eaten from what I gave you? He wants them to admit it. He wants Adam to go, I blew it. Adam doesn't say that. Adam says, you blew it. You gave me a defective woman. That's what we see. We saw that, you know, and what, what Elisha wants them to do is say, I blew it. In the moment of weakness, I blew it. I went and got the stuff that I shouldn't have got. But he doesn't do that. He says, I went nowhere. And then look what Elisha says. And Elisha said to him, did not my heart go with you when, when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? What? How did he know that? How did he know that the guy got off the chariot and went to meet him? He said, my heart went with you. Listen, I was with you. I saw what you did. How, could, how is that possible? 
God revealed it to him. Watch. Did my heart go with you? The man, when the man from the chariot turned to meet you, is it a time, is this a time to receive money and receive clothes and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male? Is it the time that we take stuff for serving God? Is that what we do? He's saying, is that what we do? You went and got stuff for that? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? He said, my heart went with you. We don't take money for God's miracles. We don't take money for God's miracles. Wow. And then, and then the leprosy of Naaman. Therefore, he said, therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. Right then, the leprosy that Naaman had went to Gehazi. Now, this is not the end of Gehazi. We're going to see him later on. He's just going to go the rest of his life, what? With leprosy. And not only him, but who? His descendants. You understand that sin is never in a what? It's never in a vacuum. When you sin, when we sin personally, we affect other people. We affect our fellowship and our relationship, our fellowship with God, our relationship with God. Look what this says. Gehazi got the leprosy. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You're going to sow what you reap. Oh, excuse me, you're going to reap what you sow. And that's what happened. Whatever you sow, you reap. And, and he lied and stole and the leprosy that was on Naaman came on Gehazi. Wow. What a story. So, no. First of all, God, God knows all we're doing. <laughs> Can't hide, right? That's good and bad, right? God's always with us. Good and bad. It's good because he's always with us. It's bad because he's always with us, right? I mean, that's true. And sometimes we say, I wish God wasn't watching everything. I wish God didn't know everything. He knows everything. I love it when Elisha said, I was, my heart was with you when the guy got off of the chariot and came to you. I was there. I saw everything you did. What does God say to us? I'm with you. I know everything you think. I know what you're going to say before you ever say it. I know what you're going to think before you ever think it. Psalm 139. Wherever you are, wherever I am, you're there. I, I can go to the depths of the sea, you're there. I can go to the top of the mountain, you're there. I can go into the darkness, you're there. There's no way to get away from you because you're always there, which is good. God knows everything. He knows everything. That's why Psalm 139 is so powerful. God, uh, let us realize that when we sin, God wants us to what? Confess and forsake. He does. He, he doesn't want us to blame other people. He doesn't want us to lie. He wants us to confess. He wants to say, Lord, I blew it again. Let me ask you something. If you, if uh, time's passed, but if you've got a sin and you keep doing it, what should you do? Keep on confessing, right? I mean, listen, do you think he gets tired of you coming? We feel like, uh, Lord, this is the 8,000th time I've come and told you this. And he goes, my love never changes. Whew, that is so amazing. Sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. It affects us and others as well. Every one of us in this room could say, I know, that, I know, sin has consequences. Every time we sin, there's consequences. Sometimes it seems like it's little, and we go, thank you, Lord, you're so great. Sometimes it's more than that. May we serve God out of love 
not for money. Now, for y'all, most of you, well, almost all of you, you don't serve God for money. You don't get money for working in the nursery or handing out stuff or doing things or teaching Bible studies. You don't do that. You could do it so that people would honor you. And you've got to be real careful if you say, I did that, I want people to know what I did. I have to be careful because I want to make sure I don't do any what I do for money. For money. I th- let me just throw this out just to show you. I, before I went to seminary, I was coaching at Mississippi State, so I made my money from coaching. But I taught a Bible study on Tuesday night, a Bible study on Thursday night. I taught a Sunday morning class. I taught a Sunday night class. And I ran, in those days, the tape ministry. But I didn't do that for money. That, and, and what we do now is not for money. It's the grace of God that we get to serve, all of us. And so we may not, may we serve God not out of, uh, you know, out of love, not for money.